Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. This is another position preview podcast. Today we're breaking down the offensive line, and joining me is Greg Barnes, Jason Staples, and Mike Ingersoll, special guest Mike Ingersoll. We're going to get into it here quickly. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Inside Carolina Podcast. And, of course, this is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Let's get into the offensive line. We'll read through the depth chart, and we'll just break it down with uh, our three guests here. All right, so we look at the offensive line. They return everybody. Uh, every player is back, including all five starters. At left tackle, you have Awesome Richards. Right behind him, actually, the backup uh, left tackle is Joshua Zudu um, at left guard is Joshua Zudu, who was out for the spring. Behind him, Ed Montillas, who got most of the reps in spring, and Jonathan Adorno, a younger player. At center is Brian Anderson, back for his senior season. Um, Corian Johnson, a former walk-on who earned a scholarship, is the backup there. And the third string center is Chance Carroll, a walk-on who impressed in the spring. At right guard, you have Marcus McKeithen. The backup there is William Barnes. Of course, Zudu can also be a backup at right guard. Uh, Jonathan Adorno is your third string right guard and kind of right there with Barnes and a right tackle. Jordan Tucker is back. Your backup right tackle is Joshua Zudu. Uh, William Barnes can also play right tackle and right guard. And Diego Pounds played at right tackle um, as a true freshman this spring. Greg, when you look at this offensive line, they return all five starters. We know that's kind of the big storyline. Um, what does this group need to do to kind of take the next step? What do you see from them in 2020, and what do you expect from them in 2021? Well, well, first things first, I think when you look at this, the starting group, when you include Zudu, uh, who missed the spring, as you mentioned, they've got three three guys that have pro potential, uh, and, and Zudu and Marcus McKeithen and Jordan Tucker. And anytime you have three guys of that caliber on your starting line, clearly that's a good thing. And then you add in a guy like Brian Anderson, who is – I think undoubtedly the, the leader of this group and, and one of the best leaders on the team, not only the offense. Uh, that's critical, especially for a guy that's, that's at center. Um, he, he's played a lot over his career. Uh, he, he knows Sam Howe uh, very well, and uh, I think that's a critical component. Awesome Richards uh, struggled a bit at times last year as a young guy, but that's to be expected. They have high aspirations for him. Uh, and then kind of the, the news out of – you know, spring, of course, was that you started to see some of these guys uh, that they've been waiting on, like a William Barnes, started to emerge. And so now you're in a situation where this is this is a really talented, experienced group that's going to help. Last year, they got a lot of help out of the running backs, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, um, made their jobs a little bit easy at times. Uh, this year, they may not have that level of talent at running back. So it's going to be on them. We, we've heard – we could talk about this a little bit. We've heard both Phil and Mac talk about changing kind of the schemes a little bit 
uh, to be more of a traditional running game. So that, that, that'll put more pressure on the offensive line to, uh, to be able to produce and do what they need to do. Uh, but you know, this is what North Carolina has waited for for a long, long time is to have you know, this talented and this experienced in offensive line uh, return. We haven't seen that very often. That's just kind of the way that, that college offensive lines work. Uh, but they've got it this year. So I think Sam Howell is going to be a great uh, benefactor of that. Uh, and you got, you know, Mac Brown has to be ecstatic. Yeah, Mike, I mean, when you hear all five returning starters, that's, that's got to excite you. And that's, that's what you hope for in, in development. Um, when you looked at tape um, and look back to the 2020 season and knowing that I think they can get eight or nine guys now, that's what a source told me. Like, like they've always tried to get to like seven or eight. They have eight or nine guys now that can play along with the five starters. I mean, what's that mean to you? What do you think of this group? And let's start there. Well, it really alleviates depth concerns. Every offensive line coach and every offensive system wants to have at least seven guys in a rotation. If you can have eight, you sort of have a, an embarrassment of riches. And once you're at nine, if you've got 10 guys who can start, you've got guys that can rotate in and depth becomes much less of a concern. It's it, subjectively with UNC's offensive line, it's, it's already a lesser concern because you've got so many guys with game experience. And the only thing that gets you ready to play a college football game. And the only thing that gets you better as a college football offensive lineman is actual game reps. Um, you can, you can drill all day long. You can go, th- you can go through as many camps. You can work with as many specialists in the off season as you want. But the only thing that's really going to make you a better player is live bullets in a game. And we've got a lot of guys that have a lot of game reps, particularly in that, in that core depth that we have. So having all, all five starters back, usually the best offensive lines in the country, the ones that win all the accolades or in the preseason running for all the accolades. They're the guys that return the most starters, have the most seniors, have the most upperclassmen with game starts. When you've got their backups and you've got depth throughout that, or you've got game experience throughout that depth chart, it's really exciting. And I think it's promising for the rest of the year. Quickly, Mike, what do you think about Zudu being the backup at both tackle positions? He can play four positions. on the. What's that kind of tell you about this line? And what's that mean for the season? Well, what it tells me about Josh specifically is that he's extremely versatile, which is, an, which is a given. That's obvious. Uh, but people don't understand how difficult it is to really rotate from right tackle to left tackle, right guard to left guard. You would think that the skills from one side are easily transferable and are portable to the other side of the line. And as Jason's indicating right now, that is not the case. Uh, your technique at right tackle is completely different than your technique at right guard, or at left tackle. Um, though the though it's a mirror image from a technical standpoint, it's a different it's a different world over there. It's a different you're using your brain's firing differently. Obviously, your muscles and your technique is firing differently. You're using, an in, you know, you're using a different power hand. You're using a different set in your pass game. In the run game, it's different. Your weight is distributed differently. And the same thing's true for left guard and right guard. And for fans that don't understand, I learned this the hard way myself. Tackle and guard are two different worlds. They are not the same position. You cannot get away with the same things at guard on the inside of the line that you can out on the outside as, as a tackle. So the fact that Josh can play not only tackle and guard, but both tackle and both guard spots is extremely promising for him as an individual player. For As an offensive line, what it does is he, he provides a stopgap because he's actually good and mm-hmm. productive at each one of those positions. We've seen it because he's had to play them over the last couple of seasons. The fact that he can do that is a huge benefit to this offensive line because we do have some guys like William Barnes, who's coming out of the spring right now, 
um, who is taking that step. And he's taken it in his own time. Fans have been frustrated that he wasn't better quicker, but players develop in their own time. William looks like he's starting to develop finally, and he might be that breakthrough guy. I know Mac has said some positive things about him, and so has Stacey Searles. So if something happens and William has a step in as a starter, Josh is now easily rotatable and he can move. He can play somewhere else if we got to move the guys around. And I, I would have far less apprehension if we had to place, if we had to move an offensive line, an offensive line combination around. But the reason we're moving it around is because we're trying to find somewhere for a Zudu to play so we can plug in a guy like Barnes. That goes back to your depth question. For sure. And before we get to Jason here, you see Jason's facial expressions. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Inside Carolina. We watch, we're doing everything on video now along with the podcast. And I did not mention, Caden Baker is also at left tackle. Um, I was told that Azudu would be the backup at left tackle and right tackle, but Caden Baker's right there and definitely had a good spring. So um, I'll be remiss to to not mention him, I'll get destroyed in the message board. The, for for, for the message board, they'll always the, the coaches and depth chart will always defer to experience over uh, newness or even raw talent. So Josh will yeah, always Kate, be that preferred option. And Kane Baker's getting into his, I believe, his second yep. year, so redshirt freshman season. Uh, Jason, what do you think in general here, before we get into more civics, about the offensive line? When you look at the depth chart, when you look at who's playing where, and what these guys need to do better. I think we haven't touched on that yet. What these guys need to do better going from a really good 2020 season, maybe an above average line. How do they get to that next level? What would you like to see from this group? So a couple things. One is I know that the message board is going to freak out at what you just said, Mike, that the coaches always defer to, to experience over talent or, you know, whatever. Yeah. There's good reason for that because one mistake one mistake at that position and suddenly your franchise is, you know, in real trouble. So you want to make sure that the guy can get, you'd rather have the guy who can get run over slowly than the guy who just gets blown by because he misses the assignment. So message board folks, I know you hate this, that the most talented guy should always play, but that's just not the case on the offensive line. You want the most reliable guy to be the one that's playing. And that's one of the benefits of having, five guys that have all not only do you have five starters returning you have five guys you have actually six guys really that have all played together in these roles and i know mike you can you you you've got you've said this a lot before that it's so important for offensive line as a unit to be able to work to because it's really like one position with five parts that you have to be able to know that that guy is going to, when I punch this guy over here and I feel the, the shoulder pad, I know that this guy's going to take it. And I know that when I, when I hear this or when I feel this, that there must be a twist coming and everybody has their own little different way of doing stuff in there. And when you've fought next to that guy for a full season, now you get back in and it's, you know, your, 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 your footwork is in sync. You, you know, you're not tripping over each other. There's all of these things that, that get easier. And that, that's a huge part of why offensive lines, not only that have guys that have returned, but have multiple guys that are playing next to each other that have returned are a lot more reliable. And that allows you to start working, if you're Stacey Searles, on making sure that those guys are good at picking up, you know, this. we weren't as good at picking up this stunt last year. We need to work on this as opposed to, you know, basic combo block technique little things like that, that you can start to get into graduate level type stuff. Mm -hmm. And that really, really helps. So yeah, I, um, 
I think that's that's really a good place to start with that. And I, I also think, you know, the, going back to Azudu being able to shuffle around, it's a real luxury to be able to, as a coach, be like, okay, where do where can I put my best five? And I know that those best five can all work in their different spots because this guy's going to be fine wherever. So I just need to put this guy in, in wherever, wherever I can have my other four be their best. That allows you to do a lot more. So there, there's a lot of positives here. I've been very public so far about my, um, my, my belief that some of these guys really need to, to make sure that they have watched their diet all, all summer so far. Yeah. And if they haven't, you know, a little slim fast wouldn't go, uh, wouldn't go, you know, to waste uh, for the, for the remainder of the summer to make sure that they're in optimal shape for a contract year for, for some of these guys, because that's, that to me is, is one of the big things for the next step forward for a group that has some guys that can play at the next level. So let's talk about versatility a little bit, because I believe it was Landon Turner five or six years ago that, that when he started practicing at, at both positions, at guard and tackle, uh, it was a little bit of news to the to the fan base. And in talking with Chris Kapilovic, offensive line coach at the time, uh, he said, you know, ideally you have enough bodies uh, in your depth chart that you don't have to rely on somebody playing multiple positions because the idea is that they have one position where they're best at, and then when you slide them outside or inside, uh, you know, maybe they're not quite as good as their best position. Is the versatility aspect, because we're talking about Azudu playing multiple positions, uh, Kieran Johnson plays multiple positions, Jonathan Adorno plays center and guard, a lot of guys that can play different roles. Um, is this a relatively new thing? I mean, Mike, when you were playing, is, is this something that was harped on? And to take a step beyond that, I would assume ideally you have, I mean, if you could have 10 guys that mm -hmm. you can just rotate in and have, this is right tackle A, this is right tackle B, that's the best of all worlds, right? Yeah. But for a guy like a Zudu, I mean, does he have a preferred best position or is it really like Jason said, you just want to get your five guys out there that are the best. And if Josh has to play a position that maybe not his best, so be it because you're just trying to get the best five out there. Yeah, so let's go with Josh as a specific example. So if Josh is listed as first on the depth chart at left guard, which he is, then left guard is his primary position. But it's nothing new to have rotational guys. Every one of, every one of your tackles, you want to be able to be a swing tackle. Or if you've got four on the roster, you want three to be able to be a swing tackle, including both of your starters. You want both your starters to be able to play right or left tackle. That's not always the case, but that is the dream. Um, and if you can't have both, you want at least one of them. And then you want their backups to be able to rotate. Same with your guards. Your guards got to be able to play both guard spots and ideally the center spot. So you want your interior guys to be able to rotate along the interior and your exterior guys to be able to rotate between the exterior positions. That creates the best depth for you um, in large part because of what Jason was talking about before with the cohesion aspect of it. You don't want to take, if you've got, if, you're, if, if your right tackle goes down and you need your left tackle, you need somebody to replace the left tackle. You would much rather move your left tackle over to the, over to the right tackle spot and then bump one of the other guys up from the depth chart, maybe your sixth guy who has a bunch of starts like Jason was talking about and has played with the starting five, you know, the true starting five before and has that relationship. You'd much rather rotate that guy in and move your other tackle over than having to maybe pull a starter out, replace him with a backup and do some weird musical chairs thing. You want to keep as many guys who are comfortable playing with each other 
in that core group on the field as much as you possibly can. A big part of it is like Jason was saying, you've got technique considerations, you've got just general comfort, you know, playing next to each other considerations, but a big thing is communication. Uh, The most important thing offensive linemen can do with each other is communicate. And you get to a point in your career, like Jay, again, great point Jason made about, you know, we are now at graduate school. When you have this kind of experience on the O-line, these guys, they're in graduate school. There's no more learning the fundamentals. There's no more, none of that. You fine tune it and you work on it because you don't want to lose that foundational, you know, that base, those base skills. But at this point, you know, they're honing higher level, more granular things. And the, the, the biggest, most important thing that a group of guys who's played together for a while can do is communicate. And what, what players who have a lot of experience playing next to each other are able to do sometimes is communicate without words. And we, we talk about it all the time. Um, you know, when we do the, you know, like EJ and, and I, during the season, we talk about, you know, the O-line D-line podcast we'll do with Vipolis or we'll do with, you know, whoever's hosting it that week. A lot of times you can tell when a defensive line has keyed on offensive line calls and an offensive line understands defensive line calls and they sort of jump. You can see them jump twist. You can see them uh, jump uh, 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 pass protection sets, um, you know, six man, seven man protections. You can see defensive linemen and offensive linemen play in that cat and mouse game. And a lot of times it's because on film, you can tell what their calls are going to be. Or after the first or second quarter, you learn over the course of the game what the other unit's calls are going to be experienced offensive linemen can communicate without actually speaking. And that becomes big. When you know the guy next to you sees the same thing you see, and all you got to do is point a finger or just give him a look. That is huge in game because what it does is it now gives you an advantage. There's nothing that there's really nothing unless you're giving it away with your body language that will tip off the other side. That's what you get with experience. And that's why you want to be able to have guys who are rotational guys who can be a swing tackle, who can be a swing guard, who can come in a guard that can bump down and play center. And there's no real drop off because you don't want to lose the benefit of that experience and that cohesion. God, I just remember um, this is flashing me to like spring where the defense knows every offensive hand signal, every offensive call, everything else. And it just drives offenses crazy competing against your own defense in the spring because you know like dang it like I literally hear them calling out the route combination we're going to run what I don't care how good the route I'm going to run is I'm not going to be open right now by the spring game you're so sick of each other it's it's, oh you you cannot wait for spring ball to be over it's the worst but one one other thing that is uh that, that that should be noted here is that there's also some difference in philosophy among different offensive line coaches with respect to how many guys cross train and how many guys move around a little bit you have really there's two different philosophies on this one is uh more of the i want to identify the best position and then i just want that guy to rep it at that position over and over and over again and become an expert at at left guard and moving him is just going to slow his progress down because i left guard is very different from right guard. You're having to learn completely different steps. Like we already talked about, you're having to learn all of these other things. You know, you move outside and it's a whole different world. I just want you to get good at one thing. Then you've got other coaches who are like, you know, it may slow you down a little bit initially, but you're going to be a better player in the long run. If you learn how to play both right guard and right tackle, because then when you actually know what it feels like for that guy there, or you know the technique from his perspective, that's going to help you play in tandem with that guy when you're actually at the other position. Or if you know, you know how, to, how to play at the center uh, position and you're, you're a guard, not only do you have some versatility that might help in a pinch, you also are, these things kind of overlap. as They're harder to learn both, but once you learn both, you're actually better at the one. So 
there's different ways of doing this from an offensive line perspective. You see the same thing actually with, with wide receiver coaches, with whether you play, you know, a guy on both sides or whether you just have one guy, he's always on the right or a guy that plays both in the slot and outside, or do you just isolate those? You've got different philosophies from different coaches based on what they're looking for and, and what they think is best for, for players in the short term and long term development. So that's another another thing to keep in mind there. Well, you also get to you also learn how to see the field from both sides. So you learn how to spot blitzes. You learn how to identify defenses from both sides. So while I'm playing left guard and I look to my right, I'm not just keen. What will happen is if you get siloed into one position, you silo yourself into one side of the field and you get tunnel visioned. And you learn to look for certain keys and you learn in your in your game planning and in your film study. You learn to look for certain keys on one side of the on one side of the field. But if you play all positions and you rotate and you're a rotational guy, you know how to look at the field and learn how to spot things and identify defenses from both sides in game with live bullets. So it makes you a smarter player, not just technically more sound. Great stuff, guys. We're going to get right back into it. Um, I'm going to go through some notes I made after talking to some sources and we'll get Greg's opinion on, on more of what UNC is going to look like on the offensive line entering 2021 and, and kind of how they impact the offense. First, I want to talk to you about Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com on their website right now. Look at all the great T-shirts they have for the summer, the sales they have for the summer, up to 70% off, some of their gear, um, all the stuff you need for tailgating, uh, jerseys, things like that. Make sure you go to Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com right on Franklin Street and online at JohnnyT-shirt.com. Remember, all inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off. So you get the whole family some shirts, whole family some sweatshirts, jerseys, and you can use that 10% off discount code found on the message boards. So support local, support our podcast by helping out Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back in. This is the Offensive Line Position Preview Podcast. We've done quarterbacks, we've done running backs, we've done wide receivers and tight ends. This is the last of the offense before we get into the defense, uh, dropping one a week um, until training camp. I'm just going to read you some notes I took after talking to a source and kind of get y'all's opinion, maybe uh, inspire some discussion here. You know, the two freshmen are Eli Sutton and Diego Pounds. Eli Sutton got on campus a couple of weeks ago um, in early June. Diego Pounds was here in January. Like I said, um, eight or nine guys can play, and they feel comfortable with eight or nine guys. Source told me that, like, they can roll out the second team and it look, doesn't look much different. They can trust that second team, which is very different from what they had in the first two seasons under Mac Brown. 
Um, guys like Wisdom, Asaburo, Trey Zimmerman, those guys aren't ready and still developing. Um, Malik McGowan had a great spring, but still kind of third in the depth chart. Um, they really like Diego Pounds. He can play guard, but they're going to keep him at right tackle for now um, just so he can learn one thing. Uh, focus for the spring is, is finishing blocks, really taking to the next level. Emphasize that. That was one thing um, one source told me. Let's see here. Um, yeah, wasn't much drop off from the first and second team. Awesome. Richards had a great spring. And look, these guys, most people I talk to say everybody had a great spring. Anderson when it stood out when Anderson wasn't there. He was not there for the spring game. His communication, his leadership is so important for this unit. So to keep him upright is critical. Uh, Brian Anderson, the starting center. Of course, Joshua Zudu was not there in the spring. He was hurt. So Edmond Tillis got a lot more reps at left guard. Uh, Marcus McKeithen had the most consistent spring of anybody. I mean, he's a beast. He's, he's massive. Um, he's probably one of their outside of Azudu. I mean, he's next is their kind of the best NFL prospect. Um, McKeith has a, definitely has a chance to, to go pro after the season. Um, and Azudu's flexibility and versatility is so critical. Um, and they really like what uh, Quarion Johnson did. He's the toughest guy on the O-line. He's the backup center and will get time. He'll play at center. He'll play at guard. Um, and they like walk on the walk on chance. Carroll. He really stepped up as well as the third string. Um, center there all right greg when you listen to that anything that stood out what do you like about that what, what do you think are some guys you're looking at to make big steps or guys to take that next step to make this the o-line get to that next level in 21 well just taking a kind of a general overview here i think the the way that recruiting has gone um has allowed some guys to develop on their own pace which i think is critically important especially along the lines um, because we know what this group has in terms of starters right but you mentioned a guy like Wisdom Asperger, right? I mean, we've been told that there are days where he looks like a first-round draft pick. But then the very next day, he looks like he may not believe belong on a college football field. Um, and so they understand the rawness of a player like that. But in this situation where you're not having to rely on him, and you can bring him along slowly, and he can learn from all these older guys, maybe there's – potential for him to reach his potential before his career is over. Um, so that's exciting because you, you talk about a guy like William Barnes, who there's a lot of question marks about him when he came in. We, we knew he had the talent, but you know, what about the, the mental aspect? What about learning to take care of his body and eating right and all those kind of things? And he's acknowledged that those have been issues for him. Well, something clicked for him finally in spring. And so now instead of having to rely on him this past year, they brought him along they were able to put him in, give him some success, let him see kind of what the game is like without it having so much pressure on him. And now maybe they think he's in a position to really be one of those eight or nine guys that they can count on. Uh, Kieran Johnson's another guy. I mean, this is a kid who, who played on the defensive line a couple of years ago out of need. Uh, he's a walk-on. He's a tough kid. He played great last year when he had to come in for Brian Anderson. Um, I mean, to have a, a backup like that that you can rely on in the middle who's a veteran – who's played a lot of games, that's critically important. And so we're talking about guys now that aren't even starters. And that, that's how you build depth, and that's, that's really what you need because injuries are going to happen. I mean, somebody's going to get knocked out for a game or two. So do you take a step back as a group when that happens? Uh, and it's looking like right now uh, they, they feel like that's not going to happen, and that, that's important for what this team wants to accomplish. Uh, but Brian Anderson, I think, is, is the key to all this. Yes, there's – there's guys that have a lot of uh, NFL aspirations and NFL talent. When you talk about McKeithen, you talk about Azuda, you talk about Tucker. Um, but Anderson being the heart and soul, 
you can't put a number on that. You can't put a, a grade on that. And it, it's clear that he's emerged into that role. Um, and so I think that's, that's critically important. I'd like to hear Mike's uh, comments on a guy like Brian Anderson. We've talked about Brian a lot over his career, but for him to be in this position now where he, he clearly is the leader of this group, uh, that, that's got to be a big tell for what this unit's looking like. Well, yeah, he's a guy that came in and didn't have a whole lot of expectations. And it goes to show that you never know what a player is going to be until they show you what they're going to be. Brian Anderson clearly always knew that he could play and he always knew that he could be an everyday starter and he could be a guy who could lead a college offensive line unit, whether the fans knew it, whether the coaches who recruited him really actually knew it. Um, Brian Anderson always did. And it's always interesting to see there's always break. There's always breakthrough guys. There's guys that come onto campus that have every accolade in the world coming out of high school. You know, this is ho-hum at this point, all Americans and you know, all, all world, everything. And they come in at college and they just fizzle out. Um, and then you got guys like Brian Anderson who come in, who are middle of the road guys who are good enough, obviously to get a power five scholarship, um, who are, who are good enough to be on a power five, you know, ACC football team. Um, it, that should never be discounted. If you're on this roster, you're, you're a good football player, um, and you were you were in high school, and you are now. Um, but there is then there are guys who are sep- who separate themselves, and you never know who those guys are going to be. Uh, sometimes you're surprised by the guys it turns out don't separate themselves, and you're always surprised by one or two guys in every program. Usually, it's an offensive lineman. There's one of an offensive lineman always seems to fall into this category as a guy who separates himself from the other guys on the roster or separates himself from the expectations, however low they may have been when he came in. So Brian Anderson's an exciting guy and, and I've loved watching his career progress. Sorry, Ross, go ahead. I think there's something to say about just a guy who is, is steady, consistent, smart, and the leader is always there. And what the best uh, ability is availability. And he, he's been there. He's been healthy most of the time. And remember a lot of these guys are, are, have a opportunity to be super seniors or have an additional year. So you think about the continuity of this unit. I mean, if, if McKeithen doesn't like where he's going to be picked, he can come back for another year. You would think Anderson has the opportunity to come back for another year. I mean, everyone on the roster can come back for another year. So the, the whole COVID extra year thing could completely change the chemistry and continuity of a team. Uh, quickly, Mike, you're, take us in, inside the, the O-line room in the spring and in the summer and heading into the preseason camp. What are they trying to get better at? Like, what's the what's the key to, to get them to an elite level when you look at blocking for different running backs this year, keeping Sam upright, and like I said about the focus being finishing blocks? I mean, it's the same group. So where is the next step for this for this unit? Yeah, so the in early spring ball, it's 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 interesting that how quickly the progression happens. So in early spring ball, you know, you've now recovered throughout off season, the off season program. You come into spring ball, you haven't really played football, so you knock off some rust the first couple of weeks. But that transition happens very quickly, so the rust gets knocked off quickly. You then start to see as a player, you'll see quick jump, quick jumps in improvement. Uh, but nothing gets really super complicated during the spring. It's all pretty vanilla because it's all working on fundamentals. So since most like this situation with the offensive line, with as many and as many game reps as this offensive line has throughout its depth chart, these guys, they got back into game mode pretty quick and they knocked off the rust and got, got back to their fundamentals pretty quickly. And then you get sort of burned out and bored with spring ball because, okay, I've been here. Give me something that's more challenging. So by the end of spring ball, you're a little, you're, you're, you're a little burnt out. You're a little bored. Um, but you also have a lot of times a somewhat of a false sense of security that I'm, I'm a better player. Maybe we're a better unit than we think we are. We, you've only been practicing against yourself. You'd have been practicing against, you know, any other team or any other group. So 
in the summertime, what good offensive lines will do, guys who are led by players like Brian Anderson and Josh Azudu, what they will do is they will go into the summer and they will on their own drill, drill, drill. So after workouts, they'll get together, they'll drill blitz packages. Um, they'll work blitz pickup. They'll work their offensive line um, – or sorry, their um, – their offensive run assignments, right? So they'll, they'll work their, their schemes. They'll, they'll work their, their gap blocking assignments or zone blocking assignments against bags. And they'll do that sua sponte on their own without any real, without any coaching direction. Let me jump there real quick. Can they do that as much as possible if they're on their own? They can. Um, yeah. There's just restrictions on coach contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but players get, like every afternoon in the summer, they can get together. Yeah, we would go. We would go two two days, I think, during the week. Um, okay. Two two or maybe three days. You know, five o'clock right after the afternoon workout, we'd get together for thirty minutes or an hour, um, and then we'd even set up seven on seven periods and all that stuff. And coaches will give guys cards and all of that before they go off on vacation or they go off on a recruiting trip or what have you. They'll give guys cards and they'll give them sort of a you know a plan. If you want to do this, here's what you're going to do. And then the seniors will go out and they'll run the group through those cards. They'll run the group through that plan, and it'll be a v- very much a true player run practice a player run type of situation with no pads obviously or anything like that but but that is a great time for like an offensive line to get more familiar with each other for the younger guys um, or the guys lower on the depth chart to work with the older guys we'll rotate guys through because everyone wants to feel comfortable with each other playing next to each other so we'll do that all summer going into training camp and then hopefully once you're into camp you've done enough of that stuff leading from the very beginning of spring knocking the rust off through those player run practices in the summertime and sort of that building cohesion brotherhood sort of thing. Um, once you get into in a training camp, now you've got a core group of guys that's comfortable playing next to each other, at least in a practice setting. And then you roll into training camp and you really hopefully don't skip a beat. Jason, where do you want to see this offensive line get better? Like what, when you look at tape from last season, and if you looked at any spring tape, you know, where's that next step? You know, what can they do to improve that maybe they, they weren't as good at in 20 that you think they can kind of get to the next step in 21, whether it be run blocking, pass blocking, et cetera. So I'll defer to Mike on some of this because uh, he'll, he'll have a better eye than I will having done as much as he, as he has. So uh, feel free to chime in and interrupt me here a little bit. Uh, I've already been public about some of the stuff. Again, I'm going to reiterate it once more, drop a little weight, a couple of you guys. Um, I I also think this is a, a place where Anderson can get a little bit better in the weight room this this uh, this off season, that one one of the issues that he's had, uh, as good as he's been, is he's had trouble anchoring against some of the really really strong defensive tackles on the inside. So that's something that you know Anderson needs to have a strong off season, just continuing to build that uh, that that hip strength and continuing to uh, to improve as he uh, as he has through his whole career. I mean, he he was better at it last year than the prior year, and he was better in the prior year before. So he's going to continue to get better there. And that's something that I think can really help Sam Howell this year is having a little bit less pressure coming from the inside, just in terms of, of compressing the pocket. Uh, the other thing that, that stood out to me last year at times was some sloppy hand placement. And some of that's due to leaning or, or just, you know, there were times where guys, their footwork wasn't that great. And I, I would see Tucker in particular at times where he'd be bear hugging guys and, you don't always get get that called, but sometimes it does. And you've got to be more careful with your hand placement. So these are things where making sure that your that your footwork is in place and that uh, in in the running game and and certainly in in uh, in pass protection where they're more likely to ding you, a little bit more exact hand placement 
is a, is a place where I think they can they can make some some significant strides, particularly on the on the right side of that line, uh, and and be more consistent as a unit and as a result. Yeah, twist games is something I preached on a lot last season. Um, it's something that slowly did improve through the Orange Bowl, but there were still some issues there. Um, and that comes with – picking up twist comes with playing next to guys and being comfortable with each other and understanding, like you were talking about earlier, Jason, with passing things off, having that feel, knowing when you're getting that bump, and also communicating, which is something we talked about earlier, having, having that communication. So twist games is something that only – it, there is a very specific way to pick up twists, a very specific way to pick, to pick up certain twists and not others um, and how to do it. But really the most important thing is cohesion and comfort with the guy you're playing next to. So that's number one. Number two would be in the run game, their second level assignments, something else that I preached on last season, getting on linebackers at the correct angle and staying on linebackers. And really the best way, the only way to do that is to take care of your first level assignment. So your double team, taking your double team to your linebacker right, and then getting off on your second level assignment. And there's also a component of knowing who that assignment is. So there were some things I saw last year, particularly in blitz pickup. This is both in the run and the pass. We missed some basic stuff. I'm yes. talking like singles, like Mike, like, 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 like Mike Agap singles. Um, very simple stuff because guys didn't – I don't think the – physically, I don't think we have an issue. We have one of the biggest offensive lines in the country. Strength, physicality. Brian Anderson can improve in the strength department, but Brian Anderson is a very physically capable player along with everybody else he plays with. Yep. What I saw happening last year, a lot of the time, was just mental confusion, missed assignments, mental errors, not understanding what you're looking at, almost thinking too much while you're on the field. And I don't know if that was a they were given too much to process sort of thing, if there were too many guys rotating, uh, rotating around, new comp, new offensive line combinations coming in due to injury, that sort of thing. But understanding your assignments and blitz pickup. Uh, in both the run and the pass and having your eyes up and being able to process that information more quickly and see what's happening in front of you more quickly. I'd like to see that. So twist game, second level assignments and understanding your assignments better. That's, those are my three takeaways. Yeah. Great and stuff. precision in that second level stuff is going to matter that much more yep. this year because without you Carter and Williams backs yep. that are going to, you know, Williams and, and Carter, they get to the second level and there were times where nobody needed to make that block because they just took care of the guy themselves. And mm -hmm. this year that guy needs to be blocked because they don't, those, those guys aren't coming through those holes and making their own second level moves. So that's going to be that much more important this year. And look, the most important thing is keeping Sam, your superstar, your golden boy, highs mechanic quarterback upright. I just remember, you know, Austin Richards was his first year starting last year. I mean, he made some clear mistakes. It's kind of my eye. Greg, I know you've written a lot about kind of sacks and the offensive line and, and keeping Sam upright. What's your perspective on where UNC could improve or what they need to do to kind of take that next level in pass protection? Yeah, and I think when you, when you talk to the coaches, kind of what you find out is, and this this goes for, for every situation, right, but the issues were across the board. And so there were, there were plenty of plays where, where Sam Howe tried to make something out of nothing uh, and he did not get rid of the ball quick enough. And there were some plays where running backs just did not do a good job, uh, you know, picking up a blitz or whatever it may have been. And then, of course, a number of them with, with offensive line as well. And I think that's, that, that is going to be the challenge for this offensive line. I think they're going to be tasked because without knowing what they have running back-wise, knowing that they're, you're not going to have Javante back there or Michael Carter uh, to take some pressure off of them, uh, I would assume there's going to be more opportunities where you're going to be in obvious passing downs, especially early in the year before the running back position gets ironed out a little bit. 
And that's going to mean more pressure on Sam. And the, the stats are pretty clear. I mean, the guy's great. Uh, the only way that, that he's going to make mistakes is when he's under pressure. And so that does put more emphasis on the offensive line. Uh, and that's just kind of the growth component. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the next evolution. And as the guys have already talked about, now it's, it's kind of the nuance of the position and, and fine-tuning some of these things. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask Mike before we, we get going here is Mac has talked about uh, he, he wants this to be the year where if they have a fourth and two in the red zone, he wants to be able to say, you know what, we're going to pick up this yardage on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think fans understand how RPOs work these days, right? You have a, you call an RPO, the offensive line is going to be run blocking. That's kind of yeah. what they are. But when you know that there's not an RPO in place, and you know that hey, this is on us to pick up these two yards, does the mindset change any? Does does that help, or the fact that they're already run blocking in a in an RPO setup, is that the same thing? Well, you just you have to know that the defensive line is going to play lower. Their technique is going to be more sound and yours has to be also, but really most importantly, what we just got done talking about is your eyes got to be up. Your head's got to be up and you got to be able to see what's coming because guys are going to start shooting gaps. They're going to know what your short yardage package is after week three, week four, it's going to become pretty obvious. If we have any third and short fourth and short situations, there's only going to be four or five plays max. Really that's going to boil down. Jason can attest to this. That's going to boil down to two or three that are bread and butter that we know if we run this, we can get one yard, one and a half yards. Maybe we break through to two. So the other on film study is going to tell that defensive coordinator what those plays are also. So he's going to have a plan for that. So you have to be able to guarantee that no matter what gets thrown at you as an offensive lineman, you can pick it up in the run game. You got to be able to, and you got to maintain your pad integrity. So your pad level, you got to maintain your technique. You can't sacrifice, uh, uh, you, you can't sacrifice pad level. You can't sacrifice footwork and you can't sacrifice shoulder integrity down there and fourth and short, third and short in a must have situation for, Oh, I see what's coming because seeing what's coming is great. But if you're playing too high and you get blown back, no one cares pointing it out on film like, oh, I knew this was happening, but I got blown back three yards and I got pushed into the running back. That doesn't help you. So you got to put it all together and be able to do it all and be perfect on that play so you can get that two yards, um, knowing that the other side is going to know exactly what you're doing or at least have a one out of three shot of getting it right. Is there anything else you want to add, Greg? Yeah, just one thing. Ross mentioned this earlier, but I think it's it's a relevant uh, point to, to make. When we talk about the 2020 year in terms of uh, eligibility, um, it's a little bit confusing because guys like Garrett Walston and Bo Corrales, uh, they are, yeah, they are going to be super seniors. They only have one year left. But when you talk about guys like Brian Anderson, Marcus McKeithen, Jordan Tucker, all three starting offensive linemen, because they redshirted in 2017, this will be their fourth year uh, this fall which means that they get one extra year. So if they choose to come back in 2022, they are eligible to do so. Now, as we've talked about, McKeithen and Tucker have opportunities possibly to to go pro. Uh, But, I mean, there is a a chance that the bulk of this offensive line returns for one more year, which is pretty wild to think about. Yeah, and I guess Azudu would have an opportunity to go pro too. right. He's been there three years, so um, who knows? You could have a lot of people leave. You could have a similar group next year. I think just looking at this line, and the big thing is depth. They have eight or nine people. They have the depth they want. They have some legit NFL-level talent, 
and they have that chemistry and continuity that comes with being the same similar group of starters for three years now. Anything else, guys, before we get out of here? We all good? All right, awesome, guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate Mike coming on for the offensive line special. A little bit longer than our other pods, but I think the offensive line deserves uh, more time there. Defensive line will be the following week. We appreciate it, guys. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Inside Carolina Podcast and check out Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.